Hello and welcome to I Don't Know the Podcast, episode 62, Homeopathy, Dilution or Delusion? Homeopathy is an alternative medical treatment. Its basic premise is let like cure like, meaning a substance that causes disease symptoms will also cure it. And if you dilute that ingredient with a massive amount of water, then its potency is increased. They might have a point. I found that the best cure for hangover is more alcohol, but I don't dilute it. Apparently, over 500 million people use homeopathic remedies. And it's no wonder, because a lot of celebrities swear by homeopathic medicine. People like David Beckham, Paul McCartney, and reptilian overlord Prince Charles. Even Jada Pinkett Smith uses them. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth! Wow, dude. I'm going to. But anyway, so there has to be something to it, right? Well, I don't know, but keep listening on to find out. The term homeopathy was coined by a German guy called Christian Friedrich Samuel Heinemann in the 1700s. His ideas were based on the principle of similars, meaning if a large dose of something causes symptoms, then a lower, diluted dose of that same thing will remove those symptoms. In fact, the more diluted it is, the more effective it will be. Homeopaths prepare their remedies in a ritualized way. This involves adding a small amount of the ingredient, usually a toxin like belladonna. Some have been known to use gonorrheal discharge. And yes, you did hear that correctly. It is put in a container with water or alcohol. The container is then shaken and whacked with a magic wooden stick ten times. This is called succusion. This is a very important bit apparently because hitting it with the magic whacking stick infuses the solution with kinetic energy. The first solution is diluted, or I should say, potentized, because they hate it when you say diluted, for some reason, to a strength of 1 in 100, or 1 in 10 squared. The whacking and diluting is repeated until it is one part active ingredient to 10 to the power of 60. That's 10, followed by 60 zeros. Yeah, I know, right? back of the badger had been pretty smashed. One more day and I would have been dead. One of, one of the provers um, broke a leg uh, shortly after beginning the proving. I suppose I must have been a bit of an idiot. The homeopathy market in 2020 was worth about $4.5 billion in the US alone. And that is projected to increase to $13 billion by 2028. So how can I get my hands on a slice of this moolah pie? And not a minuscule delighted slice either. It's not just a case of dusting off your whacking stick and buying a shitload of Evian. 
you have to learn how to do this properly. This is medicine for God's sake. So I found a nice looking school online. It's called the School for Homeopathy. Welcome to the School of Homeopathy. The environment that somebody studies in is really important. We're shaped by the things that surround us. And so when looking for somewhere to run the attendance course, it was really important to us to find the right venue. And that's what we found with Hawkwood. Jesus, you should see this fucking gaff. It's a mansion with beautiful gardens and everything. It's a beautiful place set in 42 acres and surrounded by the rolling Cotswolds. It's completely quiet and tranquil. 42 acres in the Cotswolds. That must be worth a fortune. For those that don't know, the Cotswolds is an area in the southwest of England known for its picturesque villages and wealthy residents. Residents like former Prime Minister David Cameron, writer and trans-hater J.K. Rowling, and shark pickler Damien Hirst. The rooms are filled with air and light, but most importantly, it's like a home from home. Students enjoy coming here. It's a great place to study healing because it is healing in itself. It is a nurturing environment in which to learn. It's somewhere where you want to stay and where you want to be involved and inspired and educated. Actually, the rooms are filled with skinny, middle-aged women in loose-fitting clothing and men with straggly beards and man buns. But it is very nice inside too. The building itself is a 19th century manor house with all the teaching rooms on the ground floor. One of the great things about the school is that all four years can come at once, so it creates a real vibrant community of students learning together. The whole site is very ecological and sustainable. All the food from the kitchens comes from their own gardens, most of which is organically grown. Mm, the food looks pretty good too. It looks healthy, but it still looks tasty. All the students stay for lunch at Hawkwood, which creates a nice, vibrant community around meals, and it allows all the different students to interact and chat and talk homeopathy and socialise. And the school is also residential, with about two-thirds of students staying overnight. So once you get to the school, you can just hang out for the weekend and immerse yourself in homeopathy. To be honest, I wouldn't mind staying there myself. I wonder what the bar's like. But how much would this cost me? Well, to become a homeopathic practitioner, it's a four-year study course that costs £2,340 each year. That is for attending courses in the big house, so you can also study from home for exactly the same price. Now I know how they got that mansion. One of the things they teach at the school is proving. Proving is basically testing. A homeopath will get an ingredient and ingest it and see what symptoms or conditions they experience and have a think about it and think about what it could be used to treat. And they test or prove a lot of things. Things like goosegrass, orchids and badger. The badger proving was carried out in 2009 and the specimen was recent roadkill. Uh, the back of the badger had been pretty smashed and uh, he'd surely bled to death. Yes, it's a real badger, not some plant's nickname. Uh, I carried a knife uh, 
as I usually do, and indeed a bottle for specimens as I usually do. So it was very simple just to hack off a bit of the badger's uh, broken back leg and put it in a bottle. So I included in there was a little um, bone and, uh, and flesh. Why does he carry a knife? It's the Cotswolds, not Croydon. This is Misha Norland, the founder of the School of Homeopathy. On their website, it says his passions were teaching and healing. Makes no mention of defiling the corpses of recently killed animals. In, in the popular imagination, in folklore, in the world of children, badger is a very much loved species. Of course, Wind in the Willows has Mr. Badger uh, as a character, important character. Um, you can see he's desperately trying to think of another famous badger. He can't. They're just part of the countryside, especially in the southwest of Britain. Uh, badgers thrive. They, they, they're omnivores with a particular delight in, uh, in earthworms, in this sense a little bit like moles. Um, and uh, they're nocturnal, so you get to see them at the two ends of the, of the day. I mean, unless you're out with torches watching them at night, you get to see them at the beginning and the end of the day. These are all great badger facts, but he's no David Attenborough, is he? But then David Attenborough doesn't go around hacking the back legs off of every animal he sees. Uh, but most importantly is the, is the boundary marking of badgers. They, they patrol their spot uh, every day, every night, I should say. And, uh, and every member of the tribe or the clan does this. Well, there's not much else for a badger to do, really. Here's a top badger fact that he doesn't mention. Badgers are the UK's largest predator. And they mark with urine and they mark with feces. Marking with feces has resulted in a f something you may have noticed in woodland where, where they're badgers, which is that um, flowering trees often uh, uh, appear in the perimeter of old woodland, and one wonders why. And it is because the badgers carry things like cherry seeds and, uh, and uh, mar use them as, as markers, feces markers, around the perimeter their territory is marked this way and the trees come up and there we are. They've uh, contributed to the, the, the look of the forest. That could be why corn started growing in my back garden. He goes on for a while about how territorial badgers are. I guess there must be a point to this. They have all the mammal characteristics, of course, of closeness with family, looking after family, looking after their children, uh, sexual uh, aspects are all very highly featured. All of this we see in badger. To be honest, I've never really thought of badgers in that way. Deer maybe, but not badgers. Actually, I think of badger in connection with the sun sign Taurus. There's something very traditional about badger ways that is quite, uh, that blends quite well with the, the uh, archetype of the Taurus individual. Yes, badgers and bulls are so similar. So for me, that's the kind of shorthand to, to understanding the patient for whom this is the perfect remedy. Animal, mammal, Taurus kind of nature gets you thinking about badger. 
So there was a point to all of this. If someone is a mammal and a Taurus, you can treat them with a hacked-off leg of a badger. But the thing is, in the proving, they don't test diluted bits of what they're testing. So yes, that means they are actually eating whatever plant or dead animal Misha finds on his knife walks. And surely that has some dangers. Um, badgers, of course, have been associated with bovine, t with, uh, with, with TB um, in general, and, and bovine TB in particular. It's true. Badgers carry bovine TB, which is like cow AIDS. And have been uh, culled uh, in many attempts to l reduce TB in cattle, and it actually doesn't work. So, complete waste of time. Um, the most recent uh, idea is to let them be, thank goodness. Um, it does mean that there is there's a threat from the outside, whether it's from roadkill or whether it's from humans trying to kill them, is slightly in the picture, but not as much as, you, as, as I might have imagined, um, actually. Uh, one might have imagined that badger as a, a identified species would have... Uh, this, this idea would have come through in the proving, not, not, not as much as one might have suspected. So I guess no one that ate it got TB. Um, the roadkill uh, and the damage to the hindquarters of the badger did come through in the proving. So when we look at the, at the, 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 the Materia Medica, of course most will be in dreams and mind, but the section that has, uh, of the body that has the most uh, symptoms is uh, our extremities. One of, one of the provers uh, broke a leg uh, shortly after beginning the proving. It took months to heal. It was a horrible fracture. Um, so if you eat the leg of a badger after it's been hit with a car, you get a broken leg? And many, many of the others had symptoms associated with pain or weakness in joints, especially of the lower extremities. So, so I think some of the individual uh, characteristic of the, of the specimen flowed through into the proving. So it's another indication uh, for the use of this particular badger. This has put me off eating badger for life. Jeremy Shear, when he uh, proved uh, eagle, which is an eagle with a damaged wing, got some of that also through in the proving, damaged, you know, damaged uh, shoulder or arms. This, this, this part was uh, figured. So when I first started looking into this, I thought I'd find a bunch of hippies pickling wildflowers and grinding them up a lot. Not a load of freaks ripping off the legs and wings of rotting carcasses and gnawing on the flesh. And of course, there's a connection between falcon and freedom and and uh, suppression of freedom or caging of freedom and a sexual side as well uh, to do with the relationship between the falcon and the falconer. Is he saying falconers fuck birds? There, there, there are more things to say about badger, of course. And um, being badgered, we have this phrase of being badgered, gives another idea or clue into badger nature. Um, badgers are, are very... Um, it's not, just, it's not just aggressive, they certainly can be aggressive, but they're just very set on tracks. And uh, It's true, badgers are very aggressive, but they are only the size of a small goat and they aren't very fast. 
being badgered gives you the idea of somebody who will just keep on at something and more and more and more and on and on and on until you're worn down. And this idea is quite badger um, also. Um, badgers were uh, used in fair, you know, medieval times, fairgrounds, badger fights. It wasn't just cockerels, it was also badgers. And badgers will fight to the death. They don't give up. They just keep on and on and on until they achieve their goal. And that's pretty much it. I think he was basically saying if someone has badger-like qualities, give them some diluted badger. Misha is dead now. And it's not a surprise since other proving videos he says he's tested include sulfur, mole, and antimatter. So as I said earlier, most homeopathic medicines are diluted to an incredible amount at a ratio of 10 to the power of 60. And that's a really, really big number. And it's hard to imagine how much water would be needed to contain a molecule of the ingredient. Luckily for us, Richard Dawkins was able to explain it with some very jaunty flute music. Homeopaths claim that the more you dilute an active ingredient in water, the stronger medicine it becomes. Most homeopathic remedies are marked 30C. What does that mean? It means one part medicine to 100 to the power of 30 parts water. That's a lot of zeros. So now Richard is going to travel to various places to demonstrate how much water is needed to contain one molecule at that ratio. How much? A drop in a fish tank? No. A fish tank is nowhere near big enough. Nope. Fish tank too small. The swimming pool doesn't provide enough dilution. Not even a lake. What about a drop in the ocean? Richard shakes his head and looks sad. But it turns out that even the sea isn't big enough. For the really approved homeopathic recipes, in order to get one molecule of the active substance, you'd need to imbibe all the atoms in the solar system. To science, just doesn't make sense. Ooh, I'd be feeling a bit bloated after taking that. Even homeopaths acknowledge that there is not a single molecule of active ingredient in the bottle they sell you. It's just water. So how can it possibly work? In an attempt to resolve the paradox, homeopathy boldly paddles further up the creek of pseudoscience, claiming that water somehow has a memory of the now completely absent active ingredient. But wouldn't water also have memory of other, more common impurities it's come into contact with? Salt, urine. Scientists have calculated that in each glass of water we drink, at least one molecule has passed through the bladder of Oliver Cromwell. Oh, God, I wish he'd chosen someone more attractive to make that analogy. Not that I'm into that sort of thing, but you know what I mean. But that's the point. Homeopaths admit that the water they are selling has no ingredient in it at all. But it does have the memory of that ingredient. Much like the bottle next to me has the memory of scotch. Sadly, I know I can't just fill it with water and feel its warming, mind-numbing effects. So surely no one is taking homeopathy seriously, right? Wrong. In 2018, when Theresa May was still Prime Minister, during Prime Minister's question time, this happened. 
It's my right, Honourable Friend, aware that according to the World Health Organization, the second largest medical system in the world, with 300,000 doctors treating 200 million patients every year, is homeopathy. That's, that's the evidence. That's the evidence. Will my right, Honourable Friend, congratulate the Order! Order! His Majesty, I want to hear the views of the Honourable Gentleman on this matter. Yes, I know, that's what British Parliament sounds like. But that was David Tredinick, Conservative MP for Bosworth. Like the current Prime Minister, he attended Eton School. It's a kind of Hogwarts for twats. Among the other things he supported using are astrology to treat patients and wanting the NHS to provide yoga. He's also claimed that blood doesn't clot under a full moon. And yes, this guy was a member of the Parliamentary Health Committee. Thankfully, in 2019, he announced he would stand down from Parliament and not seek re-election. Will she congratulate the doctors who are members of the Faculty of Homeopathy on their work in the health service, and particularly dealing with cases that are too difficult to treat conventionally? And does she agree with me that homeopathic vets should be able to make their own minds up about whether they use homeopathy on its own or other treatments as well? Can I say to, uh, to my honourable friend, uh, he has been a long-standing advocate in this house for homeopathy. Now, Theresa May didn't look like she was taking her right honourable colleague too seriously, but some people did. Because the NHS spent nearly £2 million on homeopathic remedies. Basically, £2 million of taxpayers' money going on little bottles of water. And it's not only weird guys hacking chunks out of badgers and hippies in a little office that smell of patchouli oil that are putting this stuff out. It's big business for big businesses. Boots is the biggest high street pharmacist in the UK. They have a big store in every mall and shopping centre. And they are also hawking homeopathic remedies. Professor Ernst says he believes this Boots teething powder, for example, is making a claim it shouldn't. Teething powder. It's for babies. They're ripping off babies now. It says on the packet it contains chamomile, but in actual fact it contains a dilution of chamomile. Uh, roughly, I would guess, one drop of chamomile in the North Sea. Uh, so, so highly diluted that you'd be very hard-pressed to find a single molecule of chamomile in here. And by homeopathic terms, that isn't even diluted enough. It should be something much bigger than the North Sea. One drop is the equivalent of one drop being put into the North Sea. That's how much is in there. That's not a precise calculation. That's my estimation, but that, that's roughly the order of magnitude. Oh, it's just an estimate. I was wondering how he figured that out so quickly in his head. So what is it that you're actually eating? Just sugar? Yeah, it's sugar. And yet it does make a medicinal claim, teething pain relief. Uh, that, in, in my book at least, is a medicinal claim. It's not supported by evidence. Why is the fucking baby still crying? I don't know. I gave the fucking boots homeopathic teething stuff. That's fucking awful. Babies go through a lot of pain when teething. I know, I've had kids. But Big Homeo Business Boots is selling something they claim to soothe it, but they have to know that it doesn't work. But it actually gets worse than forcing continual discomfort on babies. Homeopathy does actually endanger lives. 
and BBC's Newsnight had a look into this. Prince Charles's favourite alternative pharmacy is tonight being attacked by the Royal Pharmaceutical Society for suggesting that homeopathic remedies can be used to prevent serious diseases such as typhoid, polio and malaria. The society told Newsnight they're shocked that anyone would suggest using those products instead of vaccinations and drugs which have been proven to work. Those are some very bad things to get. I've lived in places where malaria is rampant and it is deadly. But the government seems confused about what to do. They've just banned alternative practitioners for claiming that homeopathic products are medicines unless they can prove they work. But the ban only applies when they're used to treat animals, not people. Proof again that the government cares more about animals than people. Like when Boris gave the order to fly stray dogs out of Afghanistan instead of the local interpreters and embassy staff that worked for the UK. Allegedly. Anyone can call themselves a homeopath, but if you're a pharmacist like this one, you can't put people's lives at risk by telling them to take homeopathic remedies instead of real drugs when they're seriously ill. So what are the pharmacists saying now? Well, we took this leaflet from this pharmacist to Ainsworth's. It says we offer homeopathic alternatives to conventional travel immunizations, and it says examples of diseases include typhoid, polio, and of course malaria. It says that since these remedies have not been tested in clinical trials, they're unable to make claims about effectiveness, but it does say reassuringly, we rely on anecdotal evidence of those who've chosen to use them successfully throughout the world. Well, that's reassuring. We took the leaflet to the Royal Pharmaceutical Society. We are very, very shocked that this leaflet is actually available. We would be very concerned if a patient took a homeopathic preparation, perhaps travelling to an area where there may be yellow fever, typhoid, malaria, they believing they were safe when in fact they wouldn't be safe. Surely only an idiot would do that. And here's the advice of the government's own chief scientist. There is no scientific evidence to indicate that homeopathic remedies are efficacious. Efficacious? That's a good word. I'm going to use that more in the future. And the fundamental underpinning of homeopathy seems to me to be scientific nonsense. And he's like Britain's top doctor. Four years ago, Newsnight secretly filmed pharmacists offering homeopathic treatments for malaria. As a result, a number were charged by the regulator. But it's taken so long for the cases to come to a hearing, the cases may now be dropped. So they're just going to get away with it? I tell you, hanging's too good for them. But they really should be punished, as we're about to find out. It was a lifelong dream for Mark Wilde to make this documentary in the desert. But it soon turned into a nightmare. One more day and I would have been dead. This sounds serious. He knew he'd be going through an area where malaria was endemic. He ignored his doctor's advice to protect himself with anti-malarials. Instead, he took homeopathic remedies. He was soon struck down by severe malaria. What a surprise! It was like a survival drive. I knew I had to get home and I had to get back to the UK, otherwise I was going to die in Africa. And nobody wants to die in Africa. As soon as he got back, Mark's doctor sent him straight to the London School of Tropical Medicine. They saved his life, which he had endangered by ignoring his doctor's advice. We spoke to your doctor and he told you to take conventional anti-malarials. Why didn't you listen to him? I suppose I must have been a bit of an idiot. See, I was right earlier. The doctor doesn't blame Mark. He thinks the fact that the government allows the NHS to fund homeopathic remedies for minor ailments gives homeopaths credibility. 
it's a waste of good NHS money because I think the evidence that homeopathic treatments work is zero. Yes, it's not efficacious enough. What Newsnight did next was send an undercover reporter to a crappy-looking homeopath and she tells her she's about to travel to North Africa. The orthodox treatments don't guarantee you either any more than have more than homeopathic ones, no? Would you say that? Yes, I would say that. I would say that definitely. Um, I mean, I don't know for sure, but it may be that orthodox treatments have, you know, let's say 70% chance of protection. Homeopathy might be 60, 65. I don't know. Plucking those out of thin air. You can see she's lying, and she even admits that she's making it up. But it isn't stopping her from prescribing something that will almost guarantee the reporter getting malaria as soon as she gets off the plane. These people are fucking psychopaths. So could the tide turn against homeopathy? Currently, the Department of Health says patient choice is important, and the MHRA believes it can clamp down on abuses by licensing homeopathic remedies. But their critics say it's precisely this official blessing that's encouraging practices that are putting people's lives at risk. Fuck patient choice. Because you know that if people are suffering from, say, an ear infection and they're given a choice between antibiotic drops or sulfuric acid, there's always going to be some idiot that chooses the acid. Because people are stupid. Episode 62 Homeopathy Dilution or Delusion The Epilogue So, what have we learnt this week? We learnt that if you eat a badger with a broken leg, then you will get a broken leg. One of, one of the provers uh, broke a leg uh, shortly after beginning the proving took months to heal it was a horrible fracture um, we learnt that some of this stuff is marketed for babies and it's just as bad as the adult stuff it says on the packet it contains chamomile but in actual fact it contains a dilution of chamomile uh, roughly I would guess one drop of chamomile in the North Sea and we learnt that it takes a special kind of person to trust a homeopath over their doctor we spoke to your doctor and he told you to take conventional anti-malarials. Why didn't you listen to him? I suppose I must have been a bit of an idiot. When I first started looking into this, I didn't really know too much about the subject. I saw an article about it and as I read more, I realised how supremely stupid homeopathy is. At first I thought it was some dumb fad like Pokemon or voting conservative. But it's not. The government accepts these quack medicines completely ignoring basic concepts like scientific method, and that is dangerous. Take those teething tablets. One popular brand is Highlands. In a 10-year period between 2006 and 2016, the US FDA recorded over 370 reports of adverse effects from their products. These adverse effects included multiple seizures. Eight babies are known to have even died from them. And in Australia, a couple were jailed after their toddler died. Her parents refused to use conventional medicine and insisted on homeopathic remedies. The child died of malnourishment after her body was constantly fighting off skin infections. The condition she was diagnosed with was eczema, something that's easily treatable. 
And that's just one of many stories that are out there. And after reading them, I'm sad. So I'll leave the last word to the late, great James Randi, who can explain this shit much better than I ever can. Now I popped some pills earlier. I have to explain that to you. Uh, homeopathy. Let's find out what that's all about. Hmm. You've heard of it. It's an alternative form of healing, right? Homeopathy actually consists, and that's what this is. This is um, uh, Calms Forte, 32 caplets of sleeping pills. I forgot to tell you that. I just ingested six and a half days worth of sleeping pills. <laughs> six and a half days. That certainly is a fatal dose. It says right on the back here, in case of overdose, contact your poison control center immediately, and it gives an 800 number. Keep your seats. It's going to be okay. I don't really need it. Because I've been doing this stunt for audiences all over the world for the last eight or ten years, taking fatal doses of homeopathic sleeping pills. Why don't they affect me? <laughs> the answer may surprise you. What is homeopathy? It's taking a medicine that really works and diluting it down well beyond Avogadro's limit, diluting it down to the point where there's none of it left. <laughs> now, folks, this is not just a metaphor I'm going to give you now. It's true. It's exactly equivalent to taking one 325-milligram aspirin tablet, throwing it into the middle of Lake Tahoe, and then stirring it up, obviously with a very big stick, and waiting two years or so until the solution is homogeneous. Then when you get a headache, you take a sip of this water, and voila, it is gone. Now, that is true. That is what homeopathy is all about. And another claim that they make, you'll love this one, the more dilute the medicine is, they say, the more powerful it is. Now, wait a minute. We heard about a guy in Florida, the poor man. He was on homeopathic medicine. He died of an overdose. He forgot to take his pill. Thank you to our new patrons who are Todd X, Sean Watson, Mike Henry of Bandology with Mike and John, Amelia Childs of Ghost Hunting in New England, and Jamie Miller of Surf City Bake Shop Huntington Beach. Also, thanks to our graphic designer, Raymond Rowell of Project Raven Creative. Thanks for listening and tune in again to find out what else I don't know.